Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We're on to episode 21 now, which is amazing. So thank you so much to you guys who continue to download and listen. Uh, If you like it, please do leave us a review. It really helps us to get bigger. Uh, We also hope you're holding up okay at the moment. The current podcasts are all being recorded whilst everybody's in isolation. So hopefully they provide a a bit of escapism for you. We love doing it. So as long as you like listening to them, we'll be doing them. Uh, We're committed to bringing you loads more guests as well from the motorsport paddock. And we're thinking up some other ways to keep you entertained as well. So do make sure you keep an eye out on our socials. This week, we're chatting with the Williams Formula One team reserve driver and Formula Two racer Jack Aitken. He joined us from his home in London to chat all about his life so far and his big plans for the future. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Motormouth podcast. Um, I want to start with a quick message of thanks. We're quickly closing in on 15,000 listeners across 30 odd countries, which is a big milestone uh, for us. Um, So we're very grateful for every single person that downloads the show. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review uh, on your chosen podcast player. It makes a big difference to people finding us and having the opportunity to hear from big names in motorsport, much like our guest today. Before we introduce him, I have to hop all the way over to sunny Essex to bring in the man the myth, the legend, and more importantly, my co-host with the oversized shoes, Harry Benjamin. Hi, Harry. Hello, Tim. You really need to stop with the oversized shoes business because I'm getting a lot of weird messages of people just sending me pictures of their feet. So, <laughs> no, uh, you're not. not you are um, not. <laughs> yeah, I had someone... You, every every episode begins with some, some, some sort of an allusion to me having big feet and then uh, I end up getting DMs on Instagram with people taking pictures of their feet next to like a Sky TV remote or something like that. This could, size this could be uh, some sort of social campaign. We could compare your feet to different F1 trophies. Uh, well, I'll think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apart from that, I'm doing all right. Trying Good. not to lose my mind in lockdown. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Keep keeping calm and carrying on. Good, good. Yeah, it is. It is getting a bit ridiculous now. I think we all want it to end, but um, I think we might be here for some time. Um, right, shall we get on and introduce today's guest? So um, this week we're joined by uh, the hugely popular Jack Aitken. Um, Jack is on a fast trajectory to a full-time F1 seat. He's a, a serial championship winner in the junior categories, and just last year was appointed as a test driver for the Renault F1 team, um, working closely with the man whose surname I can't produce, but the first name is Cyril. I'll let Jack take care of that one. Along. Alongside his F1 duties, uh, he, he drives uh, for Campus Racing in F2, where he snatched three wins, including one at Silverstone last year. In February this year, he made the switch to Williams. Um, we look forward to hearing all about him and his plans and his opinions. It's a pleasure to have him. A big motormouth welcome to Jack Aiken. Hello, Jack. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. Welcome to the show, Jack. Thanks for joining us. Uh, how is lockdown treating you so far? Uh, mixed. It's um, I'm almost uh, treating it like a bit of a training camp just because there's not a lot else yeah. to do at the moment. Let's dive straight back to the beginning. That's what we always do. With all of our guests, we like to uh, basically run through through their, their careers and how they got to where they are and, and what the next steps are. So how did it all start for you? Obviously, incredibly young as well still, so still very much on an upwards trajectory with your career. But how did it all start for you? When did that racing bug bite? So I started racing when I was seven, um, which we had to lie about my age because technically you have to be eight years old when you start in the UK racing cops. <laughs> Naughty. Um Naughty indeed, yeah. Classic fake ID, yeah. Don't do that if you're an aspiring 
uh, racing driver. No, it was um, just because I'd been to a few like birthday parties um, with uh, carts involved, and I really wanted to do more. So I kept bugging my parents to go back, and uh, eventually they said, "Well, it's ridiculous. We should just, you know, get a cart and start doing it." Um, regularly so that's what we did and um kind of just treated it like a um it was a nice weekend out for the family because my brother started racing a bit as well in cuts um and then started taking it a bit more seriously when i was probably 12 or 13 and started doing international competitions and that kind of thing and uh, it was all pretty pretty standard from there um you know moving up the, the categories and jumping into single seaters when I was uh, 17, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. And where was, where was home in these early days when you, when you were going through karting, where were you living? I think you're London based now, but wh- where were you back then? So I was London based then I've uh, grown up in London and was born there. Um, but I'm now based in Oxford to be closer to Williams. Right. So uh, it just makes the commute a bit easier. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Is there any um, racing blood in the family? Obviously, you sort of found casting through, you know, various birthday parties, stuff like that. And you say your brothers sort of got into it from that, at that age as well. Was there any sign of it, you know, with your parents or, 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 or further afield? Um, I mean, both of my parents are petrol heads, um, but they've not really got much of a racing history. So my dad is uh, Scottish. Um, and you know, Scotland have a bit of a history with, uh, formula one and he grew up watching F1 a bit as well. Um, I think he even did some like club racing at one point, which is why he always tries to give me tips and I always <laughs> to take them obviously. Um, but even my mum is really into her cars. So as a family, we, we always watch Top Gear on yeah. a Sunday night. Um, back when it was, you know, actually good. Yeah. yeah. What do you What do you make of the What do you make of the new lineup? Are you a fan? I don't watch it. I don't watch it anymore. Um, I don't think I've, I've watched it since since the Jeremy Clarkson, uh, Rich Tam, and James May left. I, I think I watched one episode yeah. with like Matt LeBlanc, and I was like, oh no. I gave the first season a chance, and yeah. I, I watched it. But just the fact that, well, that lineup, I don't think you could beat it. And uh, as well, the fact it's not on TV, just like the fact it was. Sunday night, 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. Um, you sit down, have your dinner in front of TV. That was like the family thing, especially after the F1 early in the day. So you can't really beat that. And uh, what, what are you doing with, with your time at the moment? Are you managing to get in any of this sim racing action? I, I know that you've taken part in one or two bits and pieces and you've been involved with the race. Are, are you taking this seriously, treating it as a bit of fun? Or you know, how, how are you finding the whole sim side of things? Sadly, I'm trying to take it quite seriously because um, <laughs> it's like it's the only thing that, that we can do to get any practice in at the moment. Um, but I keep getting absolutely clobbered, so I need to put in some practice. But oh, really? I never really, um, although I do a lot of simulator work for, I have done for Renault and I'm doing it for Williams, um, I'm really, really not, uh, I don't get on with um, stuff like R Factor and iRacing. I really struggle. And then uh, the guys full, who do it full uh, time. rig set up like a proper, um, you know, I do, like, yeah. Well, what the brand is it's, um, well, it's actually my brother's setup because he's more, he's quicker than I am on the sim because he spends um, <laughs> a bit more time doing it than me. But um, yeah, we have a, a decent setup and yeah, I'm trying to do more practice, but find it quite tough. It's quite different to the real thing. Yeah, you've obviously spent a lot of time in in you know uh, Formula One simulators as well, which obviously uh, must be a level up from that. What is 
you go because you're never going to recreate that that real feeling, are you? Or can you? Is it how how far away is a Formula One spec simulator to driving the real thing? Um, they're pretty good nowadays. The the thing that is always missing is the uh, the G force. Yeah, um, and the way that you can read that because the more G force you have, the more grip you have, and you interpret that as you're as you're driving the car. Um, and you can't get that with a, a simulator in a room that's relatively static. Um, but they're very, very accurate in terms of, um, you know, how the engine behaves, how the tires behave. Um, if you put in the right inputs, it will behave very much like what happens on track. So you can use it as a tool. The first time I drove um, a current F1 car in 2018, I remember thinking that down, the steering really feels exactly the same as the simulator. So it, it does prepare you to an extent. Yeah, I, I, guess it, I guess it prepares you, but that, we've discussed this with some of our previous guests. Um, Sebastian Buemi, we, we talked a, a little bit about the first time that he got inside an F1 car and that it was just a different level to anything he's been in before. Did, do you share that view? Is it, is it really sort of above and beyond anything else that's, that's on a racetrack? Um, I probably don't have as much authority to say that as Sebastian because he's driven lots of other stuff like LMP1, Formula E, um, whereas I've only driven single-seaters of some description. But it's hard to imagine how you can get from a point A to point B quicker than in Formula 1 cars. Mm. Um, and not only that, because um, actually the speed is, is just a relative thing. You know, Formula 1 cars nowadays are pretty much as quick as they've ever been, but five years ago, they weren't that quick, yeah. uh, really. <laughs> and um, they were still epic to drive just because... A Formula One car is bespoke, it's unique. Everything is made uh, pretty much to the way that you want it to be. Yeah. And everything is refined to be as good as it can be. And that really has an impact on how it feels to drive. Yeah. Um, you can build a Formula Two car that's as quick as a five-year-old F1 car. It will still feel like a bag of crap compared to the F1 car um, because it's built, not mass-produced, but it's built to a spec. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's... That's what's quite special about F1, I think. Yeah, yeah. And well, speaking of your uh, your single seater career, um, pretty pretty decent. Twenty fifteen was sort of was what you know described everywhere, sort of your breakthrough year, really, wasn't it? But you know, before that, Formula Renault two point Euro Cup, eight podiums in that, and titles, Formula Renault, Alps Championship, um, among others, and then that twenty sixteen joining the Renault uh, Sport Academy. Um, talk us through that sort of journey and, and how that opportunity came about through those those uh, early single-seater days. So 2015 was an interesting year for me because it was the first year that I didn't have um, school studies alongside my racing as well. Because uh, in the early years, I was still doing GCSEs, A-levels, and my parents always said, you have to, you know, if you do well in your exams, you can do what you want. Yeah. So you made your way to A levels and then and then stopped and then yeah. focused on on the racing. Yeah, oh, they, nice. they wanted me to go to uni as well. Um, really, managed to convince them that I should take a gap year, which has turned into multiple <laughs> years. Gap year, yeah. um, gap year. Yeah. What? Um, gap actually, just quick, quick tangent. What A levels did you do? I did. I had no idea what I wanted to do, so it's a full spectrum. I had um, maths and physics on one side, and history and art on the other side. Oh, punchy. Yeah. And, how, and how, dare I ask how you fared? Two A's and two B's. Oh, solid. Not bad. I, not think, bad I think this might be the most intelligent racing driver we've had on the show. 
I think well, Nico uh, Rosberg. Oh, he's he's, he's very yes. intelligent, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's got a degree in um, in something, I can't something remember. engineering, probably. Um, so well, Colin so Turvey as well was a what he was a Oxford oh, he's a Cambridge grad. I think he's a Cambridge graduate, isn't Cambridge, he? Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay well, so, you've just gone well, down the you've gone down the ladder a bit there. <laughs> yeah, you, you you've not yourself down yeah. there. So you're somewhat well, intelligent. We'll give you that. Um, <laughs> I I'm average. Yeah. Average, average. Well, you did pretty well A-levels. And then, so then then there was the gap year, which has turned into an indefinite gap year, really, mm. uh, focusing on, on that racing. So you were saying, so yeah, 2015 was, a, was an interesting year. Yeah, so there was the first time that I could really dedicate a lot of time to mm. racing because before then I thought, well, I do my studies in the week and if I have to sometimes on the weekend as well, but uh, I can separate the two. But really, it's very difficult to do that yeah. um, because... I think to be really, um, really skillful at something, you have to be able to dedicate a lot of your free time to it. Not, not just uh, consciously, but also if I've got history, maths, art, uh, physics all bouncing around up here, there's not much chance I'm going to be spending free time daydreaming about that set of tires that went on for the last test or, um, wing levels or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it does make a difference in the end. So, I just found myself in a much, um, if it was all coming to me a lot easier in 2015 and that's what helped get to those titles. Um, and then with the Academy, um, I first had a chat with them actually only after I'd won the championship. Um, so I didn't even know that this, well, I heard rumors that they were, Renault were coming back to F1 and they were going to have an Academy. Um, but no one had really clarified it. Um, and it was a bit of an uncertain time for that championship as well because Renault were also rumoured to be pulling out of World Series, uh, which was obviously part of that whole package. And yeah, um, so we won the championship in Jerez, and then afterwards I got invited into the Renault uh, truck, and uh, they sat down and said, um, "So we are going to come back to F1. We're looking to build an academy. We'd like you to come to to Viri." and uh, we can have a chat amazing um, and it all sort of kicked on from there but they actually told me when I went to that chat at Viri they said um, you know we've been talking to drivers for like six months uh, but you were so far behind in the championship at the halfway point <laughs> we didn't even consider that you might win oh dear and, uh, Yes, yeah, that was the year you had a, a very mixed season where you, you really sort of got on it at the end wasn't it what, what, what changed in that season where suddenly you were able to claw your way back to the top uh, I think not a lot changed in that um, we were quick from the start. Like all through testing, we were quick, we went to testing. And the early rounds, we had some bad luck. Um, I made some mistakes. And I also, I, I broke my back in uh, a race in Monza. Christ. Um, not in the Euro Cup, but in the Alps yeah. um, in a crash. Um, so I had to take a couple of weeks off. But um, no, I just got a bit of momentum and other mm. people started making mistakes as well um so although i had a very good run at the end of the year i think i had something like seven podiums and eight races um it was helped by other people slipping up as well uh and i had a very good final round at Haref as well so. and when, when they were taking when they pulled you to one side say come in the truck for a minute jack i want to have a quick word did you have an idea what was coming and when when the words came out of their mouth <laughs> that we're going to get into formula one or staying in formula one and we're we want you to join our program did you think what, what was that what was going through your head did you fall off your chair and just think this is it this is this is my route to formula one and, and was it expected 
I would say it wasn't ever really expected because I'd heard um, the rumours uh, were, were going around, like I say. Um, but I was so focused on trying to make up the ground that I'd lost in the championship at that time um, that I just wasn't really thinking that much about it. Uh, and then when I did get taken through it, it, it took even a month or two after meeting them and having that first uh, sit down to really process what was happening. Um, so it wasn't until the start of 2016 that I really realized the opportunity that I was getting, which was obviously massive. Yeah, huge, huge opportunity. And then just fast forwarding a little bit, um, through 2017 with GP3 and RGP, um, wins in Hungary, Poles in Barcelona and so on. Um, I'm, I'm curious to bring it up to um, more recent history with Formula One and obviously your parting with Renault um, and then your subsequent little cheeky teaser in February on your socials um, to say that I think it was the 4th of Feb you were going to announce something new and then we all discovered that you were you were moving across, hopping across to to Williams. Uh, can you add any colour to, to that whole part of your, your life? Are, are you able to talk about why you left Renault and, and why you chose Williams? Yep. I mean, um, so Renault I had... Yes, we never get that answer. <laughs> well, it's yes, but. Oh, uh, he giveth yeah. and he taketh away. Uh, to keep teasing you. No, yeah. I mean, I think it was almost a natural progression i know it, I, I got a lot of uh, questions and comments um afterwards about that because it doesn't look like a very orthodox move um but a few things played towards it i mean one was that i'd spent four years with Renault. um i joined pretty fresh like i say 2015 was just my first year out of school even so um, i had quite a lot to learn as a as a young driver even though um, you know, I'd been racing then for three years in single seaters. I didn't know how to compete uh, at the top level. I didn't really know how to take care of myself. I didn't know anything about dealing with a mass, a company of 800 people, um, in F1 and, uh, from year one to year three, year four, the amount that I learned from Renault was, was huge, yeah. uh, invaluable. It was um, really, really good for me on a, a number of fronts, uh, not just making me able to lap faster, although there's always a bit of that, uh, but it was just everything else. I learned how to take care of myself in the gym uh, when I was traveling on the road. I learned how to manage myself with people in a team how to get the most out of opportunities. If, uh, if the engineers at Renault said, can, can we help with anything? You take them up on it, obviously, and it's stuff like that. Uh, and then there is obviously getting the opportunities to drive old F1 cars first and then the current stuff, um, having responsibilities in the team, being test driver and reserve driver. Um, so all of that was, was huge for me. But come the end of year four, um, you know, the team was in a position where they had two extremely good drivers uh, and another good one coming on uh, for this year. Um, I was at the, the top of the academy in terms of um, experience and, um, you know, um, pecking order, if you like. Um, but there wasn't really anywhere for me to go. And although there were opportunities to carry on, um, I just didn't see the progression that I wanted. And I also felt like I'd learned a lot. Um, I'd taken almost as much as I could from that program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and there was um, you know there was just it was unclear what was going to happen in the next couple of years yeah so we we had a look and saw that there were opportunities elsewhere and in particular Williams were very very straightforward I would say in that um, I had contact with them from the end of the year and sort of um, you know went through the usual courting process or whatever um, I ended up eventually um, going to meet them and they said look we would love to have you in the team we would love to have you help us by being the reserve driver bringing stuff uh, your your experience what you've learned um, as a driver from the last few years with Renault um, and just uh, you know help us by being a, a really good test driver and reserve driver and perform an F2 mm. and then we can see where it goes and to me that was a much more attractive proposition uh, than not really moving forwards at Renault yeah. so it comes down to um, Renault are really good for me but a lot of the reasons that they were good for me weren't valid anymore and that I'd got what I could from them and Williams were offering me things that that Renault weren't um so the progression was was just clearer for me there got you and so far I've really enjoyed it um obviously there's not been a lot to do yeah yeah Uh, it it must be uh, such a strange situation not just for you but for for everyone in that paddock especially you know people in the driving seat I suppose of course Nicholas Latifi is his first year as being the racing driver as well but then you don't get that chance you know for you you want to be performing at the top of your game as much as you can but you can't improve yourself for a race seat I suppose for, for the following season but you literally can't do that so what happens is is this year just is it just you know pause and we'll we'll restart you know next year or, or from whenever we get going how does that affect things from a, a, a your mentality kind of way and, and career progression I suppose everything just has to come to a stop yeah uh, I think the answer is we don't really know yet especially yeah. in terms of the things like the career progression where it's a bit more long-term. I think otherwise I'm just trying to approach it that we know that the season will restart. And um, if anything, you kind of expect or prepare that it will start quite soon because it could be as soon as a month, month and a half. It might be as long as three, four months. You just don't know. But if you, if you make sure that you're always ready, Mm. um, that's all that you can do, really, and we're just dealing with lockdown like everyone else. So, yeah. did you um, did you make it out to Australia? Are you with the team at every? Was it was that the plan for you to be with the team at every race? Yep. So I am travelling to every race this year. Yeah. Um, and I was in Australia, so it was a bit of a weird experience. Yeah. Very strange. Um, yeah. We had yeah. Um, we well, I do some work with some brands in F one, and we had um, some clients um, at their hotel in Melbourne um, getting in the car to go to the track when they heard that it was cancelled and you know they'd come from Europe they were devastated um, you know for all the fans that were there I think there were people queuing outside the um, the gates weren't there re- sort of ready to go in it must have been a hugely disappointing experience to go through but you know obviously we've got to put the public safety first yeah I think uh, I mean it's a subject that's been spoken about at great length already um, whether or not it was um, a bit of a late decision um, but like you say in the end I think common sense yeah. was was that we, we couldn't um, you know especially with how the, the situation was coming out across the rest of the world um, you know every other major sport was pretty much putting the brakes on as well so it was um, I mean yeah. I, I felt a 
I know every the mobocracy jumped all over Formula One very quickly to say what the hell are they doing? But I, I had a degree of sympathy for them. But it's such a complicated thing, and it's not as straightforward as just going, "I'll cancel the race." There are so many people involved that it affects, from you know governments in Melbourne and the the different stakeholders in Formula One, the teams, the sponsors. It's a huge operator. I had a degree of sympathy for them, but um, but there we are, um, Jack. On, on a, 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 a practical level, for those that don't know. A reserve driver or a test driver for a Formula One team, what does that involve on a sort of day-to-day basis? And do you go to all the races? Are you involved in team briefing, engineering meetings and so on? What what What's the nitty-gritty of it? So um, away from the race weekends, a lot of time is spent in the simulator, um, trying to improve the model and to look ahead towards... Um, development paths so that means less looking at which step of anti-roll bar or how many degrees of front wing is going to be best for next weekend and more um, you know which direction do we want to go with front wing development in six months time because that's where you'll see bigger gains and it's also what the sim is better at because even with the simulators being as good as they are nowadays it's very difficult to be confident that um, half a percent of error balance changes is the same in the simulator as it is in real life. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. Um, I do sort of check in and keep up with um, both the the rest of the academy. So um, you know, Dan, Roy, and Jamie. Um, both for you know we'll get called in to do marketing pieces every now and then. Um, and I see them at the racetrack as well. And likewise, for people in the team as well, I like to, I try to um, keep up with with people where I can. And um, that pretty much covers it away from the racetrack because I have enough to do with the Formula 2 preparation as well. At the racetrack, if it's just a F1 event where F2 aren't racing, um, I have a lot more time on my hands and I will spend most of that in the briefings with the team. So briefings start of day, end of day, before session, end of session. Um, I'll try to spend as much time as I can in the garage on the radio headsets, just listening to the traffic going back and forth. Yeah. Um, especially coming from a different team because um, they will have different names for the same thing. Right. So it can be quite confusing at first, but getting on top of that. And then, um, yeah, I might have to do some marketing stuff as well, media and marketing bits while yeah. I'm at the track. Yeah. Um, I forgot that when you... It's an F- Sorry, Sorry. Carry, carry on, carry on. When it's an F2 event as well, the only difference is they ask much less of me. It's basically you come when you want. Yeah. Um, but obviously I've got a lot on my plate on those weekends anyway, so it's much less uh, involved. Yeah, you've got to focus on your own on your own race. Um, I, I forgot you with Jamie. Don't worry, Harry. I'm not going to mention that I used to manage Jamie Chadwick and it's clearly all her success is down to me. I'm not going to mention it. Not Jack, mention. Every, every podcast episode, because Tim in a former life was a racing manager and uh, he every episode he drops some sort of name that if it's, if it's not Jamie Chadwick, it's Max Chilton or if it's not Max Chilton, it's our God knows yeah. who else is. Um, but obviously now Formula One and, and motorsport can be a very serious place as well. Um, but you like, you know, it's good to, to not take things too seriously, which is quite evident from sort of your, I've, I had a little gander at some of your YouTube videos as well as your social media stuff. You're, you're a bit of a joker. I think I even saw Tatia Calder and said you were the funniest person in the paddock. So how much did you pay for her to say that? 
one cake. One, one cake. cake. <laughs> oh, she's partial to a cake. Can you? Can you? Is it a homemade cake? She's can you, can, notorious. Can, she's the worst. You really have to watch out for that. Can you? Uh, can you? Can you bake cakes? Is this an actual thing? Uh, I can bake banana bread. Banana um, bread. Actual cakes. I, honestly, you can't bake, bake banana, banana bread, bread these days. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> everyone seems to be eating banana bread at the moment. It seems to be like the, the lockdown cake of choice. Um, banana bread. I tried cookies and they ended very badly. So yeah, it's just banana bread. Ah, fair dues. Fair dues. Um, listen, there's something very important that we need to do with you, Jack. And I don't know whether you knew this was coming or not, but um, I think it's about this time that we like to uh, involve our guests in the hardest quiz in motorsport and that's mainly because none of us really know the answers but i will hand over to my esteemed colleague to introduce you to motormouths do we have music this week or yeah we got music yeah we got music okay yeah. all right so welcome jack to motormouths <laughs> the hardest quiz in motorsport because i put it together and i never really quite know what the what the answer is going to be and it's also not even a fair quest quiz either because uh, every driver that plays gets different questions um but we carry on regardless um so i've got four clips to play you um and within each one there are three points up for grabs uh i need a point for the driver the place location and uh, a bit of context about it so they're all team radio clips and this week you've got four formula one team radio clips and then there's a bonus question for an extra point there are 13 points up for grabs if you get a full 13 you're going straight to the top of the leaderboard which is where brendan brendan hartley sits there at the moment with 12 and a half um and Unfortunately, Karun Chandok had a bit of a nightmare and only has three and a half points that's down appalling. in 15th place. <laughs> Absolutely um, dreadful. So that's the scale you've got the judge. Okay, should we kick off? Can I just say, I think uh, the, these are tough questions, Harry. I think you've been horribly, horribly harsh. So if you, you think? Yeah, this is, I think this is quite a hard one. I think if you top the leaderboard after this, you've done incredibly well. All right, I, I, oh, really, I was just going to use it as marks. an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's kick off with clip number one. Have a listen to this. Here it comes. Try yourself. Try yourself. That's all you get. Can I get can I get a replay on that? You may. You can't get a replay. Here no. it comes. You could what no replay? No, yeah, you can't get a replay. Sorry, I thought you said you can't. Yeah, go yeah, on. Here it comes, here it comes. Here it comes. Try ready, so try yourself. <laughs> I can't even hear what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean? That's that's tough. That is I feel like you've shortened that clip, but yeah. <laughs> oh, who would that be? Um I'm going to give you a clue. I'm going to give you, before you answer, your clue, which is going to help with all the questions, is that these are all taken from the 2017 Formula One season. Oof. Okay. I'm going to, this is a a guess for driver. I'm going to say Fernando Alonso. That is correct. Yes. Well done. One side in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What about a location? Um, well, I don't actually know what he said, so that's quite <laughs> difficult. Um, um, Barcelona. Mm, no. <laughs> so, the uh, what about the? Do you have if it's Fernando on the radio? What do you think he's chatting about? Engine GP two engine. Yeah. So I'll give you yeah. that an engine issue. It was in Russia, and it was Fernando Alonso. So you know what? That's two uh, out of three for the first bad. one. Not bad. All right. All right. Okay, let's move on to clip number two. Okay, bringing it in now. 
guys, you really want me to crash, huh? Stop around. I need 200% focus. Bit easier, that one, I think. Bit longer. <laughs> I think I know the context of that, but I can't... I think there is... Um, was it two teammates battling? But I'm trying to remember who and when. Yeah, no, it wasn't quite. It was a battle between two drivers. Oh. <sighs> one more time. This is shocking. Yeah, go on. Here it comes. Guys, you really want me to crash, huh? Stop around. I need 200% focus. Ooh. He's struggling. This is really hard. He's struggling. See, hardest, hardest, sh- hardest quiz in oh, my life. I definitely had lost attention at this point in the race. Yes. Um, <laughs> God. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pull the pressure on. Here we go. Being Karuna. <laughs> um, right, we're going to have to push you for an answer. Sergio Perez. Oh, yes. what a guess. Really? Uh, yep. You get that. Perez. Oh, have, what about a, a track? Guess a location. Uh, spa. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so it was Perez. You get the point for that. It was in Monaco and it was uh, after he sort of half crashed, half overtaken a Toro Rosso uh, and he was having a go at his team for chanting him on the radio at the same time. Yeah. Um, so you're going to get a point for that. So, you know, we're yeah. three at the moment. All you need is one more and you're above Karun. All right. Um, all right. Let's move on to clip number three. Here we go. What the, what the mental guys? What was that? Fox, I think I've got damage on the top three. Do you want it again? Was that, that was one driver, yeah? One driver. One driver, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. I think I'd get this one if I didn't know the answer. <laughs> one more time? One more time. Here it comes. What the, what the mental guys? What was that? Fox, I think I've got damage on the top three. <laughs> what a mental oh, guy! To be, that's that's Roman, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's Grosjean. Yeah. Um, oh, but so many races to choose from. <laughs> Fair <laughs> comment. Um, uh, trying to remember. Do you ever thinks it wasn't his fault? Um, that doesn't narrow it down much. I can't even remember what happened in the 2017 season. This is... It, it, it is tough when you put on those. Well, I, 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 I mean, thank Christ for the Formula 1 YouTube. That's all I'll say. All right, I'll give you the... Tra- so, Grosjean, you get a point for that. Uh, it was, of course, a crash. It was with the Toro Rosso mm-hmm. in Canada where they basically just sort of punted into him and and, and, okay. and claimed it wasn't his fault. Uh, so, you get a point for that. So, you know, you're not last, all right? So, there's still three I'll more, take points. It. Three still more points and a bonus question up for grabs. So you could pull this back and you could, you know, you could... Could fit into the midfield. Um, right, clip number four. Clip number four. Here it comes, and then your misery is over. Here it comes. But it's Kimmy. Yes. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear what he said. One more time. Give it another play. Here we go. I'm going to crank it right up. I don't speak speak Kimmy. <laughs> something about so I can't see anything behind. Where, where's mirrors broken or something? Um, 
What about a track? Have a have a random guess. See if you can get it. That was the year where he had quite a few um, or a couple of clashes with Verstappen, uh, wasn't it? Uh, it was, yes. But not sure if it's anything to do with that. No, I'll give you a, a little clue. It was to do with your current Formula One team. Oh. Oh. Uh, he's struggling he's rubbing that forehead one. it would be easier if, if this wasn't done over uh, if lockdown was not it was not currently happening <laughs> true uh, I'm gonna I'll just guess um, Budapest but wow yes correct really <laughs> yes. Your, your guesses are unreal he's sitting there googling that's what's happening here yeah, well, yeah okay so you, yeah, I'll give you two for that so the context for that was uh, Raikkonen was complaining about um, super sub Paul DeResta my hero racing yes. into the one uh, when he replaced Felipe Massa for that one off round um, so that gives you okay well I'll count up after this here's your bonus question alright now, it's not a clip, you'll be pleased to hear, just a question. Susie Wolfe was the Williams test and reserve driver in 2014, alongside who else? Mm. She was actually testing and reserve, was she? But that's, I believe that's what the, the title says. Didn't know that. It's probably, um, it's probably wrong. Reserve driver in twenty in twenty fourteen. Did Correct. you say twenty fourteen? Yeah, there were two drivers labelled as test and reserve drivers. She was one of them. Who was the other? Uh, I, I mean, this is ironic because I'm thinking there's been so many bloody test and reserve drivers <laughs> over the years, and obviously <laughs> I'm one of them. I'm contributing to the problem. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember who was in GP2 that year. If it was maybe someone like that. Uh, What's this guy doing now, Harry? Is there a clue we could we could? I believe offer? he is. Um, he's well. He's recently raced. It was well, a male, and he's recently raced in Formula E, uh, not as a regular driver. Uh, he's dabbled in IndyCar and also mainly racing in um, the IMSA Championship. A bit of a bit of a journeyman of late. <laughs> Is it um, Felipe Nazar? Oh, look at that. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. I'll give you that, even though it hints galore. I had quite a few hints. Give him that. That's fine. <laughs> I think he's done well, all right. I thought I felt bad because you've, you've, your performance hasn't been great overall. So, um, <laughs> Pity so points. that gives you an extra point, and that gives you seven points, yeah. um, which puts you into... Twelfth position oh. on the leaderboard, Jack Aitken, just below. Uh, we had Sam from Seen Through Glass, the YouTube channel, and oh, yeah. tied on points with British touring car driver Bobby Thompson. So uh, I used to race Bobby in um, in carts when we were eight, nine, ten years old. Oh, so there you go. It's come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jack, for playing Motormouth, the hardest quiz in motorsport. Do tell your friends. I agree. Yeah. A, solid, a solid seven points and 12th place. Mid-table. Not too bad. Mid-table. I'll take it. I'll take yeah. it. Mid to not mid not table. Now, listen, uh, let's bring it back to you. So, a uh, question for you. If you could share the track with any F1 driver in the history of the sport, who would it be? And is that person your idol? If not, who is? Um, don't really have an idol um, just I've got a lot of drivers that I 
admire. Um, but there's not one guy that I'm like, um, that I idol, idolize. But if I could choose, it would probably be someone from uh, quite a while ago because it's just so different back then. It'd be quite interesting. So someone like Jim Clark, mm-hmm. um, I think would be pretty amazing or even Fangio. Yeah. Those guys had such a different approach to, uh, well, because it was a different sport, basically. So, yeah. yeah, seeing them in action would be pretty cool. Wrestling those cars. Have you ever had an opportunity to drive a historic F1 car? Unless you define 2012 as historic, then no. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's quite a while ago. Well, as the years go by. V8. Um, yeah. What advice would you give to someone starting out right now and wanting to be a racing driver? maybe um, that would be the first bit of advice and then uh, yeah. <laughs> um, start early like any sport if you can um, but don't take it seriously early I think that's a mistake a lot of people are making um, at the moment because the state of karting is quite um, well when I when I started in karting like I said I didn't take it seriously for like five six years um, I don't think that hurt me but I see a lot of kids now or families who have driver coaches. They do testing during the week. They uh, throw engines and and tires at it. And, um, you know, the poor kid by the time he's 16 doesn't want to do it anymore. Or, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's not nice to see that. Um, Mm. so you do it. And if you enjoy it and you, you you know, you, you still want to do it, you can get more serious about it later, but yeah. And what's best? And what does the the future hold for you? Obviously, um, you know this year is a, a slight holding pattern, and hopefully, we'll see some racing towards the end of uh, this year in whatever guise that presents itself. Um, but do you have a longer term plan? Is there a five year plan? Do you do you have in your mind a position that you want to be at in 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 five years? Presumably, a, a full time, fully fledged F one driver. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's as simple as that. I think you can't really have a five-year plan in motorsport because it changes uh, so much um, year to year um, my short-term ambition is just to to find a race seat and to to perform um, because if you perform and you get results everything else is easier that's it's just always the truth yeah so um, no I mean um, I've definitely got um, ideas about where I want to end up um, and then if I do, uh, if I am lucky enough to be an F1 or even if I'm not, um, I've got equally ideas and things that I'd like to do outside of F1, whether that's, um, you know, endurance stuff or, uh, racing in America. Cause I did a bit of racing in America before and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, much more chilled out over there. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's a lot nicer. Yes. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're obviously, um, um, you're obviously very quick in a race car, but what are you crap at? Oh, lots of stuff. <laughs> Pretty much everything else. <laughs> my, my girlfriend will tell you all about it. <laughs> it's, um, no, I mean, I, I like to be uh, good at sports in general, but, um, I, um, pretty, incompetent when it comes to ball sports um so yeah when i was a kid actually one of the reasons i enjoyed casting so much was because it was one of the few things that i was actually competitive at um so i'm still used to certain things like football um and yeah i don't know um 
probably just most things you can think of. Um, I'm probably rubbish at. It's just just racing. I can drive a car. But have you got any hidden talents though? I start well. Racing isn't really a hidden talent. But have you got anything that you can do that you that no one really, no one else really knows about? Um, Your banana bread skills are really taking off. I mean, the banana bread could definitely fall under that. Uh, I feel like with the little experience I've had, the results have been quite extraordinary. Um, I dabbled with putting Easter eggs inside the banana bread last Good shout. week. Great shout. Um, and that was, that was a great success. So you're uh, keeping we'll up with the, the motorsport athlete diet as well then? Um, I had just uh, been training, so technically, <laughs> just get the calories and you know, it doesn't count. The metabolism is still high. Wait, what doesn't matter? Uh, <laughs> um, now, do you have a, a closest sort of mate in the paddock? You know, whether that's Formula Two, Formula One, or you know, George Russell, obviously, you, you've been teammates with him, or is there anybody, can you be friends with anybody in the paddock? Yep, uh, it helps if you're not. Um, it helps if, if you're not if you're not competing directly against them. Uh, it's just easier yeah. for obvious reasons. Mm. Doesn't mean you can't. Um, uh, JQ, so I raced against pretty fiercely in Formula Renault and again in GP3. Uh, I think we're really good mates still even now. And during that time, we managed to stay good friends as well. Um, Tatiana, um, teammates at Arden. Uh, got on really well and still still chat. Uh, she was obviously in the paddock the last couple of years doing GP3 as well, NF2. Um, and then being in the program, um, all of the Renault guys like um, Max Futural, Christian Lingard, um, Victor Martins. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting some, some names here, so they're going to feel uh, like I'm thinking of them, but I'm not. All of those guys, um, and Antoine, when he was around, was obviously we were really close yes. because um, you're in a, you're all in the same paddock. Mm-hmm. You are competing against each other um, because you were all going for the same seat, effectively, in the end. Um, but doing a lot of training camps where you're, you know, burying yourself day in day out. Um, and you're staying together, obviously. Uh, that builds up quite a bit of uh, camaraderie. And, yeah, it's, um, you carry that into the paddock as well. So that's nice. And on the on the flip side of that, is, is there anyone that you've come up against in your career that seems to always be there when you don't want them there, like a nemesis or someone that you seem to find yourself battling against all the time and think, oh, just sod off, will you? Um, I mean there have been people who've been around a few times I wouldn't say there's one that's followed me all the way through Um, the closest might be um, well George and Alex uh, George Russell and Alex Albon I raced both of them quite young in karting Alex probably when I was 10 uh, and he was similar age Um, and he I, I say we raced together, but he he destroyed me. Um, <laughs> he was much much better than I was then, um, and obviously was still very competitive when we were racing in F two and GP three and stuff like that. So um, he was always around a bit, and in Formula Renault, uh, George I raced when I was a bit older in carts, just for one year, um, and we actually had a really close battle that year. Uh, he, he also beat me then as well. This isn't, this isn't looking good for me. But, <laughs> um, then, then we were obviously teammates in ART uh, for GP3 and F2. So 
Um, and then he, he beat me there as well. Bastard. <laughs> this really isn't looking good. It sounds like Harry could beat you with his big feet at this rate. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I should have really picked someone else. But, you know, just being honest. But obviously, George is uh, he's an exceptional driver. Yeah. Um, I have plenty of excuses lined up if you're Excellent. You know, ready to go. If we had an extra half an hour on this podcast, we could go into great detail. Um, so, you know, I, I still believe, um, I think you have to have that though. As a, as a racing driver, you have to have an ego because if you sit back and say, yeah, you beat me fair and square, yeah. then that's, that's no good. Um, you have to think you're, you're the best always and, yeah. you know, justify it to yourself and be confident in yourself. So, you know, um, yeah, but those two guys probably are the ones that have been around the longest. Um, so yeah, let's say that. It's refreshing to hear that kind of uh, attitude as well. Um, changing up a little bit, obviously formula one is, that's where you are at the moment. That's, that's, you know, that's the big goal. And you mentioned, you know, you had a bit of, you had touches with, uh, with, uh, American, uh, racing as well. Have you looked at other series? Like, you know, what do you think of formula E or, or IndyCar or anything like that? Have you, have you looked at those and thought, yeah, no, I could definitely switch up and do that. Uh, formula E I've, I've done some simulator running, um, just, um, well, yeah, just to sort of see, um, it's so different that it's almost interesting just because of how different it is. Yeah. I think the cars are now getting to a point where they're more drivable and the energy systems are more sophisticated. So they're not uh, as big a leap as they were when they were the Gen 1 cars, for example, which were kind of crazy. Mm. Um, and speaking to drivers who raced them as well, it was it sounded like a really tough uh, thing to learn pretty much new. Mm. Um, but they're still pretty, pretty different and it's a different philosophy of the racing as well, all street tracks quite argy bargy. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It doesn't, uh, have, it's not in it like, uh, the traditional single seaters in that sense. Um, uh, IndyCar, you mentioned, I mean, I got to see them in action when I raced in America and they're quite cool cause they're a bit old school. Um, and I think the, the quality of drivers there is really underrated. Um, there's a lot of guys there who are seriously quick. Yeah, agree. Um, and the even though it's a, a spec series, um, the amount of time and effort the the teams, the top teams, put into their cars is quite astonishing. Um, so it's um, you know not far off from F1 in some respects. And you've got to have seriously big balls to to race in that. It's um, it's a terrifying championship when you, you look at some of those oval races. Um, you, you've got to be a brave character to get inside some of those cars. Yeah, I think um, it's just a bit of a, every driver will have their, their views. And if you're not comfortable with it, um, then obviously it's not a good idea to get in the car. Yeah. And most people won't. Um, but you get asked that question every day. Oh, you're a racing driver. Do you not find it scary? And it's just, well, um, do you find driving scary? Yeah. You probably did the first time you drove now it's nothing yeah um yeah. we do it so often that it becomes nothing it is still bloody dangerous yeah um you just don't think about it and the oval racing is just an extension of that so i'm sure if i went there and, and did some oval racing and practice and testing um i'd come away after six months and say yes yeah, it's, it's nothing but yeah obviously you know they have big accidents there yeah so it's something to consider but that's kind of my my take on it some anyway. of the some of the drivers 
um, pull out of those oval races, don't they? I know Max did. He, he, uh, he just, I think he decided in the end not to do the oval races. Um, and I can't say I blame him. Um, the, uh, the, the, we've got a final three questions, which we'll, we'll chuck at you in a moment. Before, before I do, I was listening to another podcast, a Formula Two podcast, uh, yesterday morning while we were doing some research on it. And I heard a little gem that you sleep with your eyes open. That's freaking weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There must be other people out there with this problem. It's not like they're wide open. It's like a little sliver <laughs> just watching you. Yeah. How, how, who, who, who unfortunately discovered this? Or have you been, have you known it since birth or? Uh, well, my brother and my girlfriend were the ones that supplied that information to the F2 podcast. It's great intel. Um, yeah. They're under embargo now. Yeah. But, yeah I bet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd say that was a hidden talent. Uh, oh, I think that would be a sleeping with your eyes open. I'd go for yeah. that as a hidden talent. Do you know what? Do, do, for do, you, do, you at home, quarantine yeah. challenge. Do you not wake up in the morning with really dry eyes and just can't see? No. God, weird. My eyes. Are, I was about to say my eyes are fine. They're not. I've got contacts in, and they're plus six or something. So that means I'm basically blind. But oh, really, um, you know, sleeping is not an issue for me. God, <laughs> Listen, we've got uh, we've got three more questions which we're going to chuck at you. Quickfire questions. Uh, Harry, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, absolutely. So what's got you excited at the moment? I'm really getting into, um, into cycling, which is a really uncool thing to get into, um, but I can't help it. Basically, I've started doing it as training because uh, running all the time was not a great idea. Um, and... I'm yeah, mega into it now. And there's a few nice. other drivers who are also mega into it. Um, there's probably some correlation with the speed aspect yeah. and getting, you know, our kicks away from the track. Yeah. But um yeah. And so, so do you get out for a cycle well, I suppose once a day as per the government regulations? Not quite <laughs> once a day, but yeah, I try to uh use up my allocated hour. Yeah. <laughs> Just nice to be outside as well. Mm, we go yes. mad otherwise. I know. We're so lucky with the weather at the moment as well. If it was raining every day, I don't know what we'd all do. Um, if not doing what you're doing now, and I'm not talking about being in uh, isolation, but uh, if you weren't a racing driver, what would you be doing? Uh, probably what most of my friends are doing, which is no clue and just trying to figure it out. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I never had a um, another path really set out for me or in my mind that I wanted to pursue. Um, if I had to go to uni, I would have had to pick something out of the air cause I didn't know what I wanted to study. Um, I've always been interested in competition and sports. So maybe I would have just gotten into something, something else, but, um, yeah, I really, that there isn't, another life waiting for me it's uh, it's pretty much all in for the racing it seems to be the way that, that racing drivers are we, we've asked that question we asked these three questions to everybody that comes on the podcast and out of all the drivers that we've had I, I, I don't think any of them have said oh what I've been this or you know I've been a doctor or whatever they've been so single minded in their approach and I, I think that's probably one thing that you have to be to, to succeed mm. in this sport and um, unless you go 100% in you're just not going to get there so um, it seems to be a common thread right Harry over to you for our last question of the day unless you chuck yes. in any random them fourth question. No, I haven't got any t- this week. Um, last but not least, what is your undoing? What are you scared of, Jack? Ooh, uh, creepy crawlies. Mm. Uh, that was the first one that came to mind because my girlfriend's Australian 
and right. I've been to Australia a couple of times as a result for holidays and stuff. And I really, uh, really struggle. And she obviously doesn't at all. Their so. idea of creepy crawlies, I don't think it's the British idea of creepy crawlies yeah, either. No. <laughs> I mean, if I if I get ants in my flat, I'm like, nope, out. <laughs> and totally with you. Yeah, obviously, when when we get big spiders, that's that's an issue. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But apart from that. Um, sugar. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Ha- ha- hang on a second. Not- back, back it up. You're you're scared of sugar. I'm not scared of sugar, but it's my undoing because as soon as I have uh, a little bit, it's like a massive downhill trend. Yeah. I, 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 I'm like, as soon as I get a little taste of it, for the next week, I'm pretty much like craving it, addicted to it. It's pick and mix at the cinema. Always oh, have pick and mix. Oh, I love a pick and mix. Oh, I love a pick big, and big mix. bag of pick and mix. Yeah. The last yeah. time I went to the cinema with the family, which we do occasionally, I think it was nearly 20 quids worth of pick and mix between me and my brother. It's bloody expensive though, that stuff. It is, yeah. I stole Price it once. Inflating. I stole it, it once so by good. accident. I, I, You know, sometimes at Odeons and stuff, other cinemas are available. They uh, they have the, the sweets over that side and then they have the, the, the tills over that side. And I forgot to, to take my sweets over to the till and ended up stealing them. And I felt guilty the entire way through the film as I munched on <laughs> no, my sweets. No, they make far too much money anyway. Yeah, they do. <laughs> it's an outrage. What was the last film you saw in the cinema? The last film I saw was uh, Ford versus Ferrari or Le Mans. I need to watch that. Yeah. It was pretty good. It fell in, into that category for me of racing films that are not racing accurate, mm. um, but still really enjoyable um, good, because good story. they yeah. told the story really well, even though they also didn't stay hundred percent true to the story, but whatever, yeah. uh, <laughs> but they told it really well and the actors were really good and uh, there were some cool scenes. So yeah. it got thumbs up for me. Excellent. Well, listen, Jack, thank you very, very much for your time. I think we've nailed it pretty much on an hour there. Um, we really hope the season gets going again soon and you get to uh, experience what it's like to, uh, to be a full blown F1 driver in the years to come. Um, all the best thank you very much indeed and hopefully we'll see you in a paddock soon thank you guys that was uh, good fun thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast do make sure you give us a follow on our socials Twitter at Motormouth underscore Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and on Facebook just search Motormouth you can download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV create your own social profile and interact with others and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast we here at motormouth are a small independent team since starting this podcast just over a year ago we're reaching over 15,000 of you across 30 countries around the world and we want to bring the biggest names in motorsport to you find out about their lives and careers and have a chat about whatever is going on in the motorsport world we are determined to carry on producing these episodes however they do come at a cost from securing guests to equipment and editing software and expanding the podcast and app that's why we've set up a patreon page where you can help us to carry on doing what we do there are three levels at which you can contribute starting from five pounds a month to 10 or 20 pounds each tier allows you slightly different levels of access depending on which one you choose you can enjoy early access to podcast episodes exclusive member benefits merchandise shout outs and your chance to feature on one of our shows Any support you can give us is massively appreciated and will help us grow and continue to bring cool content to race fans all over the world.